Welcome to this week's energy show. It's that time of the year again. The weather's warming up. People are thinking about home improvements. And the solar sales activity heats up too. You get calls, emails, radio ads, even people knocking door to door. There's solar salespeople that are out there trying to save you money. Many of them are well-intentioned. They want, they're doing the right thing for the environment. They're going to reduce your electric bill. Uh, but you have to realize that solar is a business, and they're also making money for themselves and their companies. And there's nothing wrong with that, absolutely nothing wrong with that. It, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing, um, as long as everybody's honest. Um, the problem is that solar technology, electric rates, and financial savings can be very confusing. I mean, even people who have been in the industry for a long time have hard time time sorting out what the right what the right answer is and there's just so much technology and terminology out there and I know because I, I meet with customers of you know pretty regularly and and the the comment that I get back from customers and then these are good residential customers who are actually getting two or three or four quotes the more people they talk to the more confused they get because they hear different things and, you know, this product is better and this is what the savings are, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's really hard for people to figure out what the right answers are. So the topic of this week's show is called Straight Answers to Your Solar Questions. And I'm just going to just tell you, tell it like it is. And this is, this is my um, understanding, my opinion. Um, full disclosure, I mean, I do run a residential solar company called Cinnamon Solar, and, and I do have somewhat of a bias, but I got a lot of experience there. And, and for people who are listening in, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to help you understand what's best for your situation. So I'm going to just roll into a, a bunch of random questions that, um, that people have asked me uh, often, and I'll just tell you what my opinion is. So first question, how many solar panels will fit on my roof? Well, that solar panels, most solar panels that are being installed now are 60 cell panels. They're about 65 inches by, by 39 inches wide. And it's just a simple matter of what scientifically we call tiling. You've got to see what will tile on that roof. A roof isn't perfectly rectangular. You've got a lot of triangular shapes, and you've got to see what's going to fit. You also want to put those panels in a place where they're going to be sunniest, the least amount of shade, and where they're going to get the best exposure. So south is, is typically good. North is typically not so good. And the, 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 the variation really is maybe 20% or so between north and south. Um, obviously, you don't want to put things in direct shade. Then there's other issues about making sure that the panels are put in, in big arrays. You don't want to put one panel here, two panels there, because it's expensive to lay them out. And you also have setback issues. They can't be in here in California any closer than three feet from the ridge of the roof. So there, there's, there's really a, a finite number of panels that'll fit on a roof. And what you might find is that you're going to get different estimates. And, and this just amazes me because we, we see these customers um, showing estimates to us. I mean, s some companies might say that they can fit 32 panels on a roof. And, and you know, we, we look at the roof from the satellite picture or, or, and, and we actually go to the house and we might only be able to fit 22. And so it's amazing. Well, what happens is that the, the, many of the salespeople in the solar industry are paid a commission. So the more panels they put up, 
the more of a commission they get. Many of the companies that are doing installations also, they make more money the bigger the system is. So there, there's going to be an incentive for them to be aggressive about how many panels will fit, really without paying a lot of attention to where you're going to get the best performance. They may put panels in the shade. They may put panels on a west roof, which, which is typically good, but there could be a big magnolia tree right in front of that west roof. And, and that west roof obviously isn't going to get a lot of sun in the morning when, when the sun's to the east. And when when the sun's directly perpendicular to that roof section, it's totally shaded by a tree. So how do you figure that out? It's really hard. What I would suggest is you get three or four quotes from installers. And if you want to really find out what makes the most sense for you, the lower estimate is probably right. And the higher estimates, probably from, from a company that's just trying to, to maximize their revenue or from a salesperson who's trying to maximize their commissions. So it's hard to figure out. But, you know, you can actually look at the picture that, that uh, the solar company should provide you with and see what, what makes sense and what fits. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, here's, here, here's the next one. And I apologize to solar salespeople out there. But how can you tell when a solar salesperson is lying? It's just when their lips move. No, I'm just kidding. It, the vast majority of solar salespeople are honest and ethical. But, you know, you've got kind of the same thing going on in, in the used car business and, and other industries where there's an incentive to make things up. So if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And as I said, to really, you know, get make the best decision, get several different quotes. The the downside of getting several different quotes is you're going to get several different answers. So you might get a little bit more confused, but I think you got a better chance of getting the system that, that's best for you. Okay, next question. Will a big solar company be more likely to be in business in 10 years than a small solar company? Well, when I kind of look back at the data, the size and the, the coverage of a company generally has no correlation to the longevity. In my opinion, it's more likely that a local company will be in business in 10 years than a big company that that is really trying to grow really fast and is fueled by investor money. These small companies have to be conservative. They may charge a little bit more for the systems, but they're going to, they depend on referrals. They depend on a good local base of business and they have to be profitable. And if they're not profitable, they're going to go out of business. Whereas the big companies, sometimes they can just fuel their operating losses with investor money. And when these investors get tired of, of propping up the companies, some of these companies have to shrink down in size. And personally, I've been there. So I, I can tell you that, you know, lots and lots of small solar companies, these are the, the local or the regional companies, they've been in business a long time, 10, 15, 20 years, and they'll still be in business in 10 or 20 years from now. It may not be the original founders, but the business will be transferred to children or, or other employees and, and they'll stay in business. They got a good model. Okay, next question. What's a realistic energy rate escalator? Well, that varies by location. And, and the best way to figure it out is look at your rates over the past 20 years. Um, the, the, the challenge about this is, is that the history is not a really good an indicator, not because the rates, uh, not because the historic rate um, trends aren't accurate, but because we've got changes going on with net metering. And so the rules are going to change about your ability to, to run that electric meter. The rules are going to change about your ability to run your electric meter backwards. So no doubt in my mind that electric rates are going to continue to increase gradually, you know, a few percent every year, but the net metering rules may change. 
And the other thing about this energy rate escalator is if you really want to get technical about the financial analysis that you're doing, you should also consider things like the discount rate. In other words, you could earn interest on the money that you would have other, otherwise put into the solar system and things like uh, the, the value of the system um, at, you know, at the end of its life. Now, right now we have very, very low interest rates that they used to be a lot higher. But, you know, I, I'd almost say that the, the discount rate's about the same as the energy rate escalator. And uh, so, in my view, um, you'd probably want to assume an energy rate escalator of zero to be conservative. So, when, you're, when your installer gives you some uh, estimates, see how the numbers work out with a zero energy rate escalator. It's going to be more conservative, and I think it's going to be much more financially accurate. Okay, next question. What's better, a microinverter an optimizer or a string inverter? Well, this one's pretty straightforward. If you have absolutely no shade, a string inverter is okay. If you have any shade and, and you know, there's a section of the array that's going to be shaded by a chimney or a tree or something like that, then generally you want to go with a way that, that can optimize the output from each panel. And that's with a microinverter on the back of each panel or an optimizer. You're going to get better performance. The performance between microinverters and optimizers for all intents and purposes, indistinguishable. So I, I wouldn't really um, pay a lot of attention to people who are trying to say one's way better than the others because the, the data shows that they're really not. From a price standpoint, microinverters really were, were dominant originally, and now I'm seeing that optimizers typically are, are going to be a little bit less expensive. But um, you, you'll really have to talk to your installer and find out. And from a reliability standpoint, I'm not seeing a big difference in, in terms of reliability between optimizers and, and microinverters. Okay, next question. Get this all the time. What solar panels are the best? Well, in my opinion, there's really no big differences. They're all made about the same way. There's tempered glass on the outside. There's aluminum extrusion frames. There's solar cells under the glass. And between the cells and the glass, there's something called uh, an EVA, which is kind of like a, a filler adhesive. And then there's a back sheet on the back that keeps water out. So they're all about the same. The solar cells of comparable efficiency are all about the same. Now, what you will find among different models is the more efficient the panels are, generally, the more expensive they are. It's just like, you know, a car with a bigger motor is just going to be more expensive than a car with a smaller motor. And then also what you're going to find is that brand name panels typically are more expensive than unbranded panels for the same uh, efficiency. Now, my advice is if you have limited space, so you let's say you only have enough room for 20 solar panels, and you have a big electric bill, then look at panels that have high efficiency. I'm not going to go into different manufacturers, but there's a few that have um, you know higher efficiency. Otherwise, if you have plenty of roof space, I go with a less expensive panel from a major manufacturer, or if you really want to save some money, go from a less expensive panel from a, a big company, but they may not be really a household brand name. And, and that's because basically these things just work. There, there's uh, very, very few problems with solar panels out there. Um, the other interesting thing that I did is there's no correlation with the company's size and the longevity of that company in the market. So I kind of went back to 2001 and I looked at the top 10 solar panel manufacturers in 2001. And right now, there's only one of the companies that was on the 2001 list that's still in business in the U.S. The other nine are gone. Now, I looked at the, the top 10 for 2010, you know, just six years ago. Only five of the companies that were in the top 10 list 
in 2010 are still selling solar panels in the U.S. So this is an industry that changes. But I'd, I'd like to point out that the panels that were installed from these companies in 2001 and in 2010 that aren't on the list anymore, those panels are still working. I mean, we regularly do maintenance on them, and we're not replacing the panels. We're replacing old inverters because the inverters are past their lifespan, but the panels are still working. All right, next question. How much money will I save? Well, if you talk to three solar installers and get three quotes, you're going to get three different answers. And if you talk to three more, you're going to get six different answers. So what I would suggest is do your own calculations. It's not really hard. Don't completely trust the salesperson's numbers. Um, take a look at your current annual electric bill. You can get that from utility, and, and all the solar salespeople should give you that number because it's going to be in their spreadsheet. Subtract out the cost of the system, and it's going to give you your annual savings. Not, not too hard to do. Now, what does get kind of tricky is to factor in financing costs. You have to factor in how much you're going to pay for a monthly loan or a lease for your system. And you're going to also have to figure out what happens with escalation rates. And that's one of the tricky things is, you know, some companies may use a 3% escalator. Some companies may use a 6% escalator. So it's a little tricky, but I, I strongly suggest you get, a, you get all these bids, put a little spreadsheet together, compare them, and, um, you know, see what the cost of the systems are and see what the savings are. Always, always do the cost analysis and the cost of the system on a cost per watt. So total cost of the system, forget about incentives, divide by the number of watts, and then just look at the, the uh, annual savings. And that's probably going to be the most objective way to look at it. Okay, next question. I pay 20 cents a kilowatt hour for electricity, and a solar company is offering me a PPA for 17 cents a kilowatt hour. It sounds like a no-brainer. Well, yes, the PPA stands for a Power Purchase Agreement and sounds like you're going to save three cents a kilowatt hour on electricity that you use. It is a no-brainer. It's a good thing. You're going to slightly reduce your electric bill. Terrific. And generally with these PPAs also, you don't have to lay out any cash or take out a loan. So it's not going to have any impact on, on your cash flow other than just positive because you're going to save three cents a kilowatt hour. But the other thing to remember is your savings are going to be limited. So you're never going to save four cents a kilowatt hour. So um, you have to look at that. And you also have to kind of do some projections with what happens with payment escalators because a lot of times there's escalators in the PPA rate, which are there to kind of take into account the fact that there's going to be escalators in the electric rate. But you're going to have to make your own judgment as to whether or not those are fair or not. What you should always do when you're looking at a PPA or a lease is also look at the option for taking out a solar loan or something called PACE financing. PACE is property assessed clean energy. So th those are good options. And I, I just suggest getting quotes from different installers for those options because sometimes installers have a really strong preference for their particular financing. And they may not give you the right answer or an objective answer if you want to pay cash or take out a PACE loan. So get quotes. And the other thing about the quotes is you're going to get quotes for different ways of financing. Okay. Talking about financing, I'm confused about these different financing options. What's best? Well, I define best based on return on investment or ROI. So generally, just based on that definition, best is to pay cash. The next best is a PACE loan which is paid off on your tax bills, or a standard solar loan. Um, a lot of companies offer that. And the way to compare the loans is you have to see what the origination fee is and the interest rate. Look for loans that have low interest rates. 
look for loans that have low origination fees, and look for suppliers, installers that are going to give you a relatively low price. Then, you know, in terms of best, the, the least best in terms of the, your personal return on investment is usually a lease or a PPA, but those are really good options for people that don't have the ability to borrow money or don't have a lot of cash lying around. Okay, next question. What maintenance is required on my solar system? Well, basically the answer is none. As long as it's raining occasionally, um, your panels are going to stay pretty clean. If they get really dirty and grimy, you can wash them with a a gentle soap solution. Make sure you do have some kind of soap solution in there. Otherwise, you're going to get some mineral deposits. And, you know, if you do want to have professionals, there are companies that are going to do professional washing or your installer can do the professional washing. And that's something that we at Cinnamon Solar do for our customers. And typically it's one or $200, depending on the size of the system. And at the same time we go out and wash the system, we're also going to make sure that the grounding is good, the wires are good. If there's any debris buildup underneath the panels, we're going to clean that out. Um, you have to remember that in, in order to send out a qualified technician, it's not cheap. But, you know, if you ever had a clogged toilet, you know that a plumber isn't cheap either. Um, so, you know, it costs money to run these businesses. Okay, next question. My uh, solar contract has an output guarantee. Are my savings guaranteed? Well, yes, but you have to read the fine print because there's often many exclusions in the guarantee. Now, most commonly, you will be responsible for keeping the panels scrupulously clean, and you're going to be responsible for a lot of the maintenance. Now, the, the maintenance that's included in basically every solar system is that the panels are guaranteed and the inverters are guaranteed. But a lot of the other things, you know, if there's dirt buildup on the panels or, or if trees grow and start shading it, that's not going to be covered. So you have to kind of go through your, your output guarantee and your warranty and make sure that you're actually meeting all the terms there. The other thing that I found is that a lot of times these output guarantees are often very conservative. So there's going to be a low estimate for the output, makes it an easier hurdle for the system to achieve. And that low estimate may not be exactly the same as the estimate that you saw when you um, got your original savings estimates from, from the system. So just, you know, take a look at your contract, take a look at the guarantee. Next question. Does solar panels increase the value of my house? The answer to that is a definitive yes. It's been several research studies and they show that the increase in the value of the house is about $4,000 per kilowatt of the system. So if you have a five kilowatt system and it's fairly new, the value of your house is going to go up by about $20,000. But there's a big caveat. It's only for systems that are owned by the homeowner or, you know, I mean, you could, you could own it. There could be a, a PACE loan or a bank loan, but those are systems that you own. If it's a system that's owned by a third party, so a third party ownership, it's called TPO, typically it's a lease or a PPA, then it's not as easy to determine what that increase in value is. And sometimes there's there's no increase in value because the ownership of that system is going to be transferred. It's going to have to be transferred to the new owner of the house. And there's a negotiation involved. So it's tricky if, if you don't own the system, but if it is a system that you own, you bought it or you, you took out a loan for it, it's going to increase the value of your house. Next question. How long will it take to do the solar installation on my roof? Well, here's, here's uh, some, some, some contradictory but, you know, interesting information. Big companies with large crews can knock out 
a complete residential system in half a day. I mean, my company used to do that. We used to have have big crews or two different crews, and they they would they would do two systems in a day. And smaller companies, they may have a, a crew of two or three people. It might take them two or three days to do a system. And and you know, quite frankly, at Cinnamon Solar, we spend a few days on every system. We're not banging them out in half a day anymore. But here's the interesting thing: the big companies are very bureaucratic. It may take three months or four months just to start the job, just to get started. And and whereas the smaller companies, they, they can schedule things more quickly. They don't have as big a territory to cover. There's not as many uncertainties because they're always working in the same jurisdictions. They usually get things done a lot faster. And the other thing that, that, that I found out when I was wondering why sometimes it took so long for, for some of these big companies to get the systems installed is that Often, when the system is owned by a third party or financed, there's a long time required to get approval from the financing partner to start the job. They have to get something called a permission to proceed on the project. And that could take a few months. And you're kind of wondering, like, why isn't my system going starting? Because they don't have authorization to proceed on the project. Now, the big companies also typically aren't going to be as fast in turning around the building permits and the interconnections. Smaller companies are faster. And, and, you know, I I just see huge differences. But, you know, here at our company, Cinnamon Solar, we're, we're routinely, from when we sign with the customer to getting interconnected, is routinely in about 30 days. And that's just because we've designed the process and we designed our business to be smaller and faster. Okay, next questions. Do I need to get a building permit or a utility interconnection? Well, the answer is yes, you need to get a building permit. It's a really good safety practice, and it's like any other construction project. You'll also need that signed-off building permit to get interconnected by your utility. In other words, if you don't have that permit done, you can't get um, interconnected, you can't connect your system. Now, the good thing is your solar contractor will take care of all these details. Okay, next question. If I move, can I take my solar system to my new house? Theoretically, yes. But from a cost standpoint, it makes no sense at all. Um, It's time-consuming to remove the old panels, uh, remove the old wiring, remove the old racking, and then patch the roof. And then reinstall these components that, that may be perfectly good, but they're no longer new, using trying to reuse the mounting systems, wiring, conduit, inverter. It's very, very tricky. So strong suggestion, leave the panels on your old house. You'll get increased value for that old house for that for that house when you sell it because it's got solar and then buy a system a new system with the current incentives and you get 30 percent off um, with the itc for your new house okay uh, last question here if the roof where the solar panels are located is partially shaded or say on the north side will they still work well the answer is yes but only partially You definitely need microinverters or optimizers in that situation. And the loss of output is proportional to the amount of shading or proportional to the amount of sunlight that hits the roof. So as I I mentioned earlier, you might get 100% of the theoretical output on a 30-degree roof facing due south, and you may get 70% of the theoretical output on the on a on the same roof facing north or 60%. So th- these are mathematical equations that that your installer could kind of crunch through and you know you you just kind of have to validate that they make they make sense. One of the surprising things that we're seeing is now that the the cost of the solar panels has come down, the installations come down, putting solar panels on a northeast or northwest roof 
um, if the roof has a fairly low slope, so a lot of the, the roofs out here in California are, are 14 degree or 18 degree slope roofs, the s- panels on those roofs actually make pretty good sense right now. And I, I would definitely prefer putting panels on an unshaded north facing roof than a partially shaded south roof. Um, but these are just, you know, there's numbers that you're going to have to crunch through. And certainly as, as solar systems continue to get cheaper, I expect to see houses putting panels on more orientations um, because it, they're going to be cost effective over there. All right. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. Thank you.